everybody, this is MG, and I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. So Sober Sisters Talk is a podcast that MG and I do every week. We try to do it every week, and we try to bring to you our experiences working several programs and just share with you what we have come across in our lives. And I like to say, I don't know how to keep anybody else sober, but I know what works for me. And that's what we want to encourage people to do in this podcast is to figure out what works for them. And that's where MG and I are a little bit different because I like to tell people what to do and think that I can keep them sober. (laughs) (laughs) But we just invite you to listen. It's fun and it's also really educational. We cry, we laugh, we do a little bit of everything. We have guests, we work the steps. It's great. So stay tuned to the next podcast coming right up. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Thank you. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And together we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. And we're so glad you're here, and we have a guest today. Um, today we have Alicia from, I was going to say your last name, Ooh, but I don't, <laughs> don't forget, we can edit, okay? <laughs> um, so we have Alicia. I met Alicia on um, some Zoom meeting, I don't know, some Zoom internet frequency, and um, we invited her. Oh, she was listening to Silver Sisters, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, meeting? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. on this podcast <laughs> he's a listener so, um and mg and i like to like spice things up and add people in and so i reached out to her and i said hey you want to come on silver sisters podcast and talk about sex <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to talk about sex come on. <laughs> i think there are some people All right, so introduce yourself and tell our audience where you're from. Hi, everybody. I'm Alicia, and I live in lovely Irvine, California. I call it the land of the bland. (laughs) Everything's the same. (laughs) It's the planned community, but uh, I'm a psychotherapist, a trauma expert, and I live a 12-step life. And, and how long have you been working a, a slaw program, Alicia? Mm, eight years, five months, 10 days, <laughs> 12 hours, and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love it. I'll, I'll need to get a computer program to help me figure out. Mine, uh, yeah, but, you yeah. Know. yeah, I, I got it. Like, I don't you know. <laughs> How many fingers and toes do I have? Not enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Well, it was March 20th, um, 2012. So it's pretty easy to calculate that out for me. All right. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, Alicia and I have something in common. Um, we're not in our 30s and we're both dating. <laughs> but we <laughs> feel in our 30s. <laughs> I know. I mean, I do like that. You know what? I will say it, I do feel. I feel fortunate to be this age and to be able to date it be, on this end. There's the there's the downfall too because I feel like an idiot sometimes. But there's also like I really know what I want and I'm not gonna fucking waste my time, you know. And that part and having worked a program really helps me with that as well. 
So um, MG is not dating, but MG is my um, kind of feedback. Like when I spin off, like I called her yesterday. I sent her a text message. Can you chat? Like I needed to talk. So um, we can get to that in a minute. But um, I have a couple of sponsees that are um, dating and having trouble with the sex part and uh, knowing when to have sex, knowing um, how to say no. Um, I remember when I first started this thing, I was, um, I mean, I started recovery in Slaw, you guys, because I was raped by my boyfriend, by my qualifier. And um, I went to a, psycholo a psychologist and she sent me to a psychiatrist and he put me on meds. And I was doing one of my follow-ups and I was saying, hey, you know, so I was like laying on the couch, kissing this guy in my apartment. And I really didn't want to be kissing him and blah, blah, blah. And I went on finishing my story and he stopped me and he goes, Elizabeth, why are you laying on the couch kissing somebody that you don't want to? And I was just like, I don't know. And I really did. I said that, I said, I need to think about this for a minute. And my answer was, you know what, Doug, that was his name, my psychiatrist's name, because I don't know what to say. I don't know how not to. And so we talked about it and he gave me some words and it really helped me like just get to this point where I sort of started to develop what, how, how I responded with that and what I wanted it to look like. And at what point do I invite somebody into my, my abode, you know, and lay on the couch and kiss them? And what did I need to know? And what do I want to know? And um, so I have my whole view on that and I'm really comfortable. I wanna be in love. I don't wanna test it out. I've had sex with numerous people. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. I don't want to let anybody inside of me until I'm in a committed monogamous relationship and I'm in love. I don't use numbering systems or how many dates or how many days. I think that's a mistake because I think it causes us to just focus on the days and the dates and just like let's go and let's go on a bunch of dates until we get there so we can have sex um especially i think men are really focused on that so that's my stance on it before we hear from alicia though i'd like to hear what mg you know how you handle this with your sponsees so that's one of the things that i really kind of vet when I start sponsoring someone because I tell these, you know, young girls, I said, listen, I'm not dating and I don't plan on dating. I'm not in a relationship. So if you want to get married and if you want to have babies, you know, you might want to get a sponsee that's married and has babies because they might be able to help you work through some of those things. Um, but I have sponsees that are married and have children and, you know, and it seems to be okay. And, and um, you know, for those people who have, I've worked with in, in the past that it's like, uh, you know, they, they have like an idea of a vague idea of what a dating plan should look like. And, you know, for me, like, you know, you're my sponsor and, and you've given me sort of this proscription about like, you know, maybe not having a specific time limit on it. 
And so, you know, I say, well, let's just work through it. And as the things come up, you know, I'm like, let's just be very, uh, you know, check in before the date, after the date, like, you know, be very uh, specific at the early stages just to walk them through it. Because I think that everybody's an individual. And, um, you know, for me, I'm, I had a date when I was living in New York with this guy. And I, th I just make up, he was clearly a sex addict. And after the date, he, you know, came in like, like he came in to put his arm around me and I thought he was going to say, let's go get some ice cream. And he came in for a kiss and I was just like, whoa, whoa, buddy. And he was like, what? And I was like, uh, you know, man, we just had dinner. I don't, you know, we're on the street. I'm like, no. And he was like, uh, will you go to Brooklyn with me so that I can make love to you? I mean, he just made this pitch right then. And I just busted out. I just started laughing. And he was like, what? Like, how to... And, and I was like, dude, that's way in the future, man. He goes, what do you mean? We have to be married? I'm like, no, we don't have to be married. But that's like, just like, I mean, like, we're here. You're like, I got to call my sponsor first. <laughs> I'm like, for real. But, you know, I was like, that's, you know, like, you know, we were on one of those big, long streets where you can see out. I said, that's way down there. You know, that's that's where sex is. And he was ready to go right there at the minute. And so for me, it's like, it's way down there. And I don't have a specific, you know, bit of that. But it's like, I just got to get to know somebody and trust them and all that sort of stuff. So for my sponsees, I take it like, you know, um, play by play with them. And what I've seen with them, as well as I think this would happen to me as well, that, you know, they start making out and they their kundalini energy gets activated and they're off to the races and i suspect that for me like for me kissing is a big deal because if i'm going to make out with a man i'm going to have sex with a man so i gotta be you know i gotta know before i even start doing some hot heavy kissing whether or not this is going to be a match or not because i know how i am i'm a sex and love addict let's go buddy so i will tell you so alicia was warning us before we started recording well you might not want to talk to me because i don't agree but I was like, no, I think that's really good because then we can have the opposing view or the difference in a view and hear why. So yeah, let's yeah. hear your stance. Yeah, well, I'd like to say that it's not opposing. Like, I think it's really important, just like we all get to define our own sobriety, like we all get to find our own way through this. And so um, I think the conversation really begins with who we are when we get here. And so I knew 100% that I was a love addict. I wasn't so sold yet that I was a sex addict. Um, but I was so desperate because of the flaming, flaming love addict I was, I would have called myself anything. So I think knowing that I fall in love with the guy in the car beside me who at the stoplight turns to me and smiles. <laughs> I fall in love with the guy at Trader Joe's who we make eye contact on the cereal aisle and then he asked me if I ever tried the pot pie on the frozen food aisle and then we kind of make eye contact again in the you know fresh produce aisle and the day that this happened and we kind of you know waved at each other at the cash register and I knew he was going to wait for me outside 
and he didn't. And I saw him drive away. I saw him drive away in his Porsche and wave to me and kind of wink. And I literally got in my car and started crying. So this conversation about sex to me really begins with like who we are and what our natural tendency is. So because I fall in love, what I used to think was falling in love, um, that's where sobriety and like, I have to have a total change of personality. You know, I have to have a personality change. And so what creates that personality change are all 12 of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And so to me, like having that period of time off of dating approximately a year and not just time off of dating, but while I've got time off of dating, I'm actively working those steps and I'm actively building my self-worth and I'm actively learning how to set boundaries and like really become a woman of dignity and grace. Like I'm becoming a woman who values every inch of my body and that I think twice about who gets to experience any part of my body. Cause I really like what you said, uh, MG about like, if I start kissing somebody, you know, like that whole concept of one thing leads to another is really it. <laughs> so in that process of time where I'm working the steps and I'm becoming a woman of dignity and grace, I'm developing something called divine discernment. And so divine discernment is that ability to see men for who they really are, to step away from the fantasy thinking, to step away from the wishful thinking, and so I'm building this value of myself. I build intentional autonomy. Intentional autonomy is where I'm not plugging into a man for unconditional, I call it unconditional lava, love, attention, validation, and approval. So I'm learning how to give myself this unconditional love, attention, validation, and approval. And so eventually I get to the point where I'm ready to begin dating. But just this past oh, weekend and 10 days, I've had not women I sponsor, but four women I know of who have lost their long-term sobriety dates because of sober dating. And sober dating is like teaching alcoholic Come on in here. Come on in here to AA. We're going to teach you how to go into the bar and have half a glass of wine. That's so, exactly it. In. That's exactly what I've said to Elizabeth before, that dating is like trying to teach an alcoholic how to drink. Like, it so, is. like, you know, rationally. And I just don't know that I have that capacity to do that. So anyway, go ahead. You were on a great roll. I'm sorry. I yes. just had to yes. concur and validate yes. that. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have that capacity, but with your higher power you do. And mm. that's why I think it's so important that we work all 12 of the steps before we begin dating because there's different kind of regions of SLAA in, in the US that I'm aware of that people begin dating after their fifth step. Well, you haven't had the psychic change yet. You haven't developed the relationship with your higher power yet. You well, haven't- Well, and you don't have a dating plan. 
do you guys have, do you have a dating plan me yeah oh yes i have an ironclad dating plan yeah and, and I mean, everybody it, that i work with has an ironclad dating plan five you don't have a dating plan you don't even know what to do in that dating plan because you haven't done six and seven you don't know what exactly are. exactly so but there's 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 a lot of sponsors um who sponsor and they develop the dating plan after step five okay you finished your fifth step let's sit down and write your dating plan well, that sounds insane to me, but um, like we said, everybody gets to find their path here. So this isn't about making any one of those things wrong, but it is about pointing out the potholes or the loopholes in these kinds of things. But I, I wanted to point out too, though, that um, I, I agree with the taking the year. I think it's really beneficial. I think most people have it. I don't enforce that. But I think you kind of naturally end up that way um, working with me because of the amount of time that we put into the step work. And um, there's a couple of other things that I add in there. Like I don't, I don't, I don't sponsor women who drink. You know, if you're, I don't care if you drink and you can be a drinker, but you're not going to drink and date because that's just going to lead to fuck the dating plan. <laughs> That's exactly right. And one of those four that I was telling you about, that's exactly what happened. And they did fuck the dating plan. Exactly. <laughs> and so the other thing is, is that, um, you know, we did a podcast recording, I don't know, it was over a year ago with um, Darcy Iverson, who's a relationship coach. And, um, you know, she made a really good point that, like, we have this sort of systemic way of working where we come in you stay sober for a year work the steps get a sponsor do the dating plan and then go date and then you fuck it up and you do that thing all over again and it's like you can't learn how to date by not dating you know the only way that you can do this and i'm learning this firsthand is by dating So I agree, and at the same time, I don't think you should at step five. No, no, no. But, <laughs> That's but my caveat. <laughs> I think it's I think it's so critical as a wise sponsor to be able to see each woman for who she is and how you're observing her setting boundaries in her life because the key to those women who are successful at it it is about boundary setting. And it is about communication. And I talk a lot about having advanced communication skills because it's all fun and games as long as we're all communicating. And, you know, where do you want to go for dinner? And do you like Bon Jovi? And that's all easy communication. But the minute it starts to go to the next level, we've got to have an articulate ability to set boundaries and to really see the situation for what it is and go in immediately and nip that right in the bud. And well, so, you know, well, and another thing that I know I see with me that shows up is my tendency towards anorexia, like because I've been so hurt and wounded that I, you know, I, I start building walls and I can feel them now and see them. And not only that, Alicia, I can see the effect it has on the guy that I'm dating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you just added a key part of the equation why it would be important for you to maybe not have a certain number of dates and certain, you know, those kinds of things. I don't have an anorexic bone in my body. <laughs> 
I am such a flaming, now I know, sex and love addict. So let's get into that part of it. So um, armed and dangerous and ready to date means being able to articulate difficult situations and with ease and uh, being able to set boundaries. Like when he says, okay, we met here at Cheesecake Factory at the Spectrum. Let's just hop in my car and go down the street and let's go get an ice cream together. And the girl freezes and doesn't know what to say and hops in the car to go because she get, doesn't want to hurt his feelings. She doesn't <laughs> want to turn him off. She doesn't want him to leave her. And instead, anything that's a good thing is going to withstand all these little things. And she can say, hey, that's a great idea for another time. Um, so I'm going to take a rain check on that. But it's, it's so thoughtful. Let's do that another time, can we? And tonight, you know, I'm going to get home, and I just thank you so much for your time. I've had a great time. So we're That's just... That's a really important thing, too, what you just said, is like having the words. Yes. Knowing, yes. because we're caught off guard. Yes. You know, whenever you're in a situation, and that doesn't matter if you're on a date or you're in a fight with your sister, yeah. if you don't have the right words to, <laughs> to deal with that, yeah. then yeah. you're going to get blindsided and you're going to do or say something that is not in your realm, that is probably outside of your value system. Yeah, yeah. So what I say is for the first 10 dates, and 30 days, nothing comes unbuckled, unbelted, unzipped, unhooked, or unsnapped. Meaning we're not gonna do anything below our neck. So we're gonna kiss and hold hands. But the reason for that is really important. And so the reason for that is number one, to protect me from myself. Because I fall in love with every bozo <laughs> smiles at me. I have a better divine discernment now, but I also, at, first of all, it protects me from my love addiction. And number two, it protects me from his testosterone. So his testosterone, it's like just recently, this was just the very first night that restaurants in California opened up after COVID. And so I had been talking to a gentleman that I met on Bumble for about a week and not a lot. I mean, I'm managing the sober dating process of not having tons of conversation, but enough to know that I want to have a date with him. And the most important thing I had to clarify is that he was looking for a long-term relationship that could lead to marriage. And I'm perfectly comfortable saying the M word and I need to be with a man who's perfectly comfortable saying the M word. This can't be any surprise. But, you know, I'm not 35, and so it's, it's okay for me to want to be married at my age. So anyway, we cleared all that up on the phone, and um, he chose a very lovely, lovely restaurant. And I get there, and um, he's just as good-looking in person as his pictures are. And I wore a dress and heels because I've been in quarantine in my pajamas and, 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 you know, casual clothes for, I think by that time it was two months. And we sit down at the table, and I'm here to tell you, I probably wasn't there 10 minutes when he said, oh, and by the way, 
I am looking for a partnership that can lead to marriage. I'm looking for a partner. Like he's looking me straight in the eye and clarifying this. And I'm thinking, this is great. I love this. And then maybe um, 20 minutes later, he also looks me straight in the eye and he says, oh, and by the way, I'm really oral. <laughs> by the way, I'm really oral. And I'm looking him straight in the eye at about that time the waitress comes with our appetizers. And I just thought, I didn't say a word. I, in my mind, I said, dude, this is the last time you're gonna see me because my future husband has no need to tell me after knowing me 30 minutes that he's really oral. That doesn't fit into this conversation. So, so. But Alicia, so, he's selling, he's selling it. You're good looking. He's like, he's making the sale. Hey buddy. He's the sale. And but, he's also, but, he's also fishing. He, he, he did, and this is why I have a, I call it a 30-day dating manifesto. 30 days, 10 dates, because guess what? He told me what I wanted to hear. He told me he was interested in a long-term relationship that could lead to marriage. And he had a playful spirit. He was very good looking. He was very successful. He was a creative director of a well-known ad agency. And he took me to a very nice restaurant. And so the server came with the appetizers and she brought those and I changed the subject and we went on. Now, somebody recently asked me when I was sharing this story, why didn't you get up and leave? And here's why I didn't get up and leave because I'd been in quarantine for two months and I was really happy to be out at a very nice restaurant and with eight years, five months, 20 days and well, it wasn't that much then, but with as much sobriety as I have, I know exactly how to communicate with that man if he pushed it. I have no feeling of unsafety with him. I can look him straight in the eye and tell him he's full of shit if I needed to, but I didn't. I wanted to have a good evening and our appetizers had just been delivered. So we did, we had a lovely evening. And then as he was walking to me, me to my car, he says, so have you thought about us having sex yet? And I said, no, I haven't. And I've got an early hiking date tomorrow, so I need to go. We were by my car anyway when he decided to lob that, but you know exactly what was happening. This was his last chance before I got in my car to go to my house for him to just see if he could manipulate me to come to his house. <laughs> like if I had said, well, yeah, I did. And no, that would be the old me. That would be the old sex and love addict me. And the so I want to I want to ask you something here because this is a common situation and scene with any woman at any age. Exactly. You're, yep. You're yep. out to dinner. Yep. You're with somebody charming. He says what he wants. So what what inside of what you're looking for? Because I know for me what that means but what inside of the, this guy that you want and inside of you and the type of relationship that you want made you say uh-uh right yeah, because, at the beginning yeah because i know that i'm looking for someone who respects sexuality and could respect me they have that 30 days and i don't ever tell them any number you know what i say is 
you know, if, if I had, for whatever reason, been interested in him, I would say, you know, I take things a lot slower than some of the women you've probably been with. You know, I really take my time to get to know somebody and to really trust them and feel really comfortable with them. And so I probably move slower than you're accustomed to, but I'm having a great time. I think you're wonderful. I'm very attracted to you. I want to continue to get to know you. And I hope that you'll just be patient with me. You know, it's not going to be progress at a snail's pace, but I'm not like in a rush. But how did you know, like when he said that, like, because that's not respectful. That is not respectful at all. And so I know that in what way let's tell the audience because I think this is important like he's telling he's you know he's telling you he wants I'm looking for a life life partner and I'm very oral and have you thought about having sex with me (laughs) well let me let me jump in and let me field this question too because I think that this is a piece of it for first of all you know we were talking about boundaries you know when you know to, to share something so intimate about like my my sexual peccadilloes, if you will, you know, no one knows that, not even my sisters, you know, this is a very intimate thing. And even my best girlfriends, you know, we've, it's like, you know, they, they over the years have gotten to know that. So, you know, and I'm not on like a Tinder app, you know, it's like where the setup is, we're just right there to the sex. And, and, and I feel like this is why a dating plan is so essential because, you know, my mother never taught me how to date. You know, my culture really never taught me how to date. And no. so, you know, to, to, to take these, these little interval steps to create that intimacy, and yeah. he went from zero to 60. <laughs> That's what I make up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're looking for is I am a woman of dignity and grace. And I want a man who can respect me for the woman I am. So what he did immediately when he started saying that stuff is he sexualized me. So he showed me that he couldn't see me as a woman, as a person, that he couldn't respect me for the woman and person I am. If you can expect me, respect me for the woman and person I am, then later on, Uh, as I actually develop feelings of love, like legitimate feelings of love, even though it's still soon, I can see that I could actually be in love with that person. Like there's part of my bottom lines are that I, as a flaming love addict, I can't do that. He's the one syndrome. Like that is my number one bottom line. And that sounds like it's kind of a vague thing, but I know when my brain is going to, oh, he's the one. Oh, he's so amazing. I get on the phone with my girlfriends and I go, he is so perfect for me. He is just, and then I start going on, he did this and he did this and he did this. And so I can't do that. But what I do have to do is say, are there any red flags that prevent me from doing that with him, falling in love with him? And yeah, you tell me you're oral, I could give two shits whether you're oral right now or not. You know, we're at the level of, you know, really finding out if we're compatible just in general in life. So I think that's why those things, um, like, were red flags. And sex, there shouldn't be anything about sex that comes up on the first few dates. Not at all. There shouldn't be anything about preferences. It was funny because one time I was on a date in Laguna Beach, and we were just walking around Laguna, and Laguna's just delightful, and we passed a lingerie shop. And I don't remember if this was a first or second date, but it was early. And in the lingerie shop, there's all these different mannequins with darling lingerie on. 
and we're walking by and we're looking and he turns to me and he goes so which one's your favorite and I looked at those and I said oh my goodness let's talk about that on our fifth or sixth date <laughs> and then we just kept walking and I just thought you know what I'm not a prude and uh, you know I laughed and I said you know I like them all but let's talk about that on our fifth or sixth date so he got that I know how to set a boundary like you're not gonna just like move in and take me from first base to second base to third base without my permission you know I'm the one in charge of this so we are you know we're kind of getting close close to having running out of time but I okay. want to ask you and, and you can like say, I don't want to answer that or whatever, but have you had sex since in sober, in a dating relationship? And how did you know you were ready or were you not ready? Oh, I was ready. I have, <laughs> oh, I was definitely ready. I have had five sober relationships and five sober breakups. And so each of those, I followed that basic template of 10 dates and 30 days um, and there were men that I had the 30 days and the 10 dates with that I didn't have sex with so it's not a fait accompli just because we've made it to that point like we're still looking at compatibility and we're still looking at is this a person that I have those kinds of feelings for like if it's not uh, like I don't believe in casual sex I call it casualty sex because I had plenty of casualty sex before and so like for me knowing that I need to have feelings of love it's still you know at 30 40 50 days you know two months is still not love love really takes time to develop mature right. love right but I'm at least knowing that I'm not giving him magical qualities I'm seeing him for the person that he is. And I most importantly get the sense that he can love, care, and protect me. Like he's demonstrating that he's having feelings of love towards me by the way that he's showing he's thinking of my best interest. And what so, about the opposite? Have you had that? Which part? Well, like you're dating and dating and dating and dating and he doesn't make a move. <laughs> yeah, I just I just had that. That's funny you mentioned that. I just had that. Um, but it was more, we had three dates. And on the third date, he brought me the most gorgeous bouquet of flowers. But, you know, my phone would ring and it would be him. And I just didn't even want to answer it, you know, because he was like so like if 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 I was, it was my first sober date, it would have been perfect because he was ice cold. <laughs> but, you know, the third date, you know, I, that's kissing on my third date, you know, light kissing is um, part of my dating plan. And so he did kiss me that night, but it felt like he kissed me while he was looking out the window. It, and, and, and then he never made eye contact with me before he walked out my door. It was like, he was so disconnected from me. And so, like, there wasn't any, you know, I thought he was handsome. He clearly was into me, but he just couldn't. If that concept of emotional unavailability, like, that's what it felt like, you know. And so I sent him a very lovely 
note because he's so nice. I couldn't say it on the phone even though I wanted to. But I sent him a lovely note that said, you know, my feelings aren't advancing beyond friendship. And um, consider that you always have a friend in Irvine. And I thank you again for the flowers and the time that you've given me. And I wish you the very best. And guess what he did? He just deleted me. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say, thank you, Alicia. Thank you. So, but what would be the hottest question that our audience would want to know right now in our last minute here? What would that be? What would be like... You got one, Mel? Well, I mean, you know, you were talking about uh, at the very beginning, you know, like it's when can I have the sex? Like what is the, you know, because. What's the marker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the marker, the reason that the timeline is so important is because we're love addicts. And so if we're letting our feelings, my feelings would be, you know, dang, I'm into this guy and he seems like he's into me, but we don't know each other well enough to know if there's really a long-term chance. Even at at 30 days and 40 and 50 days, we don't know each other well enough to really know that. But we certainly have a better idea at that timeline than any earlier. And you know, it's never letting a guy know any timeline. It really is like the timeline is in my heart. It's yours, right? right. It's in That's... my heart, and um, it is like, am I feeling attraction from him? Am I comfortable enough to have a clear conversation about, you know, um, monogamy and exclusivity and longevity? And like, does he see me as a long-term partner? You know, like not just a monogamous date. There's guys who just date monogamously. Right. It's not ever going anywhere. It's not ever going anywhere. They'll be faithful to you. So that guy probably comes into the dating thing with a a huge signal that that's going on. And that's never been married. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kids never been married. Yeah. Well, thank you so much oh, for thank your you input it's so fun. It's and so fun. your uh, opinion and your experience, strength, and hope. It has been really fun. I appreciate it. I do want to tell the listener, you know, I think the bottom line is have a sponsor that you trust, that you um, can be really honest with, and, um, you know, tell them what you're, tell, the, tell your sponsor what you're struggling with. You know, I feel like um, a lot of younger women feel like if they don't have sex with the guy when the guy wants to, that he's going to leave, you know, and I think that that's scary. And so that's the, the situation that I'm dealing with with my sponsees. Um, but I just, as a, I'm 60 years old and I am dating and I've known a lot of men and the right guy won't leave because you say no. Oh, absolutely not. He will love you all the more. Right. Absolutely. A man who's really looking for a quality woman that he can take to his parents' house, that he can take to the office party. He wants a woman who can set those boundaries because it shows him that the first guy who, you know, propositions you when you're on his arm, that you know how to say, uh-uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And I mean, and I also do believe that, uh, and I've heard this from women who have been in program and have gotten married that, you know, like one of them said, said, you know, he went along with my dating plan. He was like, oh, this is different. And they talk about it later. And then, of course, now that they're married, you know, the husband knows that they were a sex and love addict. And they were, he was, she was like, she was like, she was tough with me. And so that engenders respect on their part as well. So, 
uh, I'm really excited about it. You know, I want to say to them, you're never having sex again. That's the bottom line. So if you can live with that, then we can go forward, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you, listener. We appreciate you. Um, if you would like to join our Friday night meeting, just send us an email to silversisterstalk at gmail.com. What else do we do at the end? The MG effort. And then also, if you want to make a donation, you can send something through Google Pay to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And if you have a conference or something coming up and you want us to share um, to be one of your speakers, reach out to us. That's what we're that's what we're moving towards. We want to come to your conference. We want to share. We want to talk about our experience with our podcast and what we've learned, what we've not learned. <laughs> all the wonderful experiences and also stay tuned because Alicia is going to be telling her story so we're going to be recording that so that's going to be on a future podcast as well thank you so much thank Alicia you. thank you, thank you bye listener until the next time bye so if you want to get in touch with us please send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com or you can check out our other episodes at www.SoberSistersTalk.com and we're also on Facebook we have a Facebook page and there you, we have them all lined up you can see them you can get a little description you can share it don't forget to like and subscribe thank you so much for listening until next time bye